The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. It is it is off season time, ladies and gentlemen. It is in the you know we're we're sort of seeing the slow grind of the quote unquote twelve month season of the NBA. But regardless, there are other things to get in on. Get in the game. Make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Bet before the game or live in play on all your favorite teams' matchups. Head to sportsinteraction.com/sdpn. Or download the app to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Okay, so when I met this gentleman, Lauren, in Vegas, I did not play responsibly. I wasn't gambling, but I didn't play responsibly because the audio equipment just pooped out on me. <laughs> Nothing oh. worked. I had to use a crazy story for the first part of this podcast, which was with Jacob. Shout out Rusty Buckets. Um, I somehow managed to save it with like this AI platform. I I threw in the audio into an AI platform and it just like digitized. I don't know what it did, but it did an incredible job and it saved the entire part of the podcast. Sadly, it did not save Alex's part. Alex, you are known formally as Alex Hoops. We saw each other. We we hung out a little bit uh, in Vegas. It was fun to meet you, fun to interact, obviously, because we've we've chatted a bunch on Twitter. Um I guess over the last season or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. first and foremost, how are you doing post Vegas? Are you recovering well? I think I've got that thing that everyone's been talking about on Twitter, uh, Vegas throat. I don't know if you guys have seen that, <laughs> but I've had like super bad congestion and like a scratchy throat for damn the entire time since I've been back. So, but feeling yeah. good, uh, catching up on all the games that I missed while I was in Vegas. Uh, but yeah, good to be here. What a wild name Vegas Throat is. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a very a unfortunate. Yes, Lauren, a lot to unpack. Okay, Lauren, you were not in Vegas, but how has your July been so far treating you? Enjoying Derek Lively and Omax, I'm assuming? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Some some good moments with them for sure. Obviously, some, some hey, clear... I, I... Are you dealing with Vegas throat as well? I have a little bit of the Vegas throat going on as well. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, but I mean, July has been good. The offseason has been treating me well. Um, And yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these guys and a lot of these groups uh, in the full swing kind of when the real moment hits come yeah. October for yeah. sure. I just realized we're, we're both wearing the, the good old SDPN sweater. I know. Now. Look at us. Look at us Alex go. got the enjoy basketball sweater on. We'll send you some SDPN gear. It's all hey, good. I, I, uh, I won't say no. I won't say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Look, so, so summer league is finished. It's all over. The Cleveland Cavaliers are your NBA cha- or summer league champions. Um, and, and there is, you can take a lot from summer league just by dissecting and looking at, you know, I guess individually, some of the prospects, some of the guys who are looking to maybe take a step in year two or year three. Um, and Alex, I know you have uh, assembled essentially an archive of footage uh, from a bunch of from a bunch of different players and a bunch of different teams. And I want to open it up to you because uh, you cover the Thunder very, very closely. And I think at large, you're great when it comes to assessing development, looking at guys who are trying to, I would say, take that next step in their careers or turn the corner in their careers so I'll, I'll open it up to you what young team do you want to start with for our for our podcast here that's a tough one I mean the biased fan in me I know this is the objective if you want to be a podcast yeah, yeah. But listen the biased fan in me says the thunder um okay but uh you know really most teams you could look at from summer league besides the only two teams that like I've watched, I'm like, eh, there's not really much to talk about here is yeah. the Knicks and the Clippers. Like for the most part with those two teams, I'm like, eh, there, there's only <laughs> so much to, to really come over here. It's just, yeah. it's, it is what it is, but you know, there's so much young talent in the league right now. Like there are really good players on a lot of these summer league rosters that I've been watching. Right. And I'm like, 
this dude could be in the NBA. And then it's like, well, there's only X amount of roster spots. I don't know what the exact number is now. And with the two-way contracts and all that, it's like, there's a lot of good players that just won't get a spot in the NBA because there's not enough spots. Yeah. I I think, I think like with the objective of this podcast, we want to try to use whatever we saw in the summer league. Also have an overarching discussion, if you will, overarching, overarching, whatever discussion about the team we can start with the thunder i feel like we got to talk talk about the thunder with you since we have you let's get it out of the way (laughs) yeah let's get it out the way because we we know we want to um i think there's there's a lot of interesting questions to ask yourself post summer league run it there there's stuff like okay where where does trey man and case and wallace kind of fit into this guard rotation a guard rotation that is stacked by the way between sga giddy obviously the two guys i mentioned maybe michich Right? Am I saying that right? Michich, I think right? so, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, like, where, where does where does that – how do you even fill out the guard rotation? Who gets the minutes there? Who who looks where in that rotation, I would say? Uh, and then, you know, in general, you saw some flashes from Usman Dieng in terms of being a perimeter shooter, doing a little bit off the bounce. I thought I was pretty impressed with what I saw in the summer league run from him. So – what does this team look like? What 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 does the Thunder look like moving forward? And then I guess if you want to start with that guard rotation, how that looks. Your guess is as good as mine because every <laughs> time I think about this question, I search the same thing. And it's like embedded in my Google search uh, yeah. like suggestions. It's OKC Thunder team payroll. I look that up <laughs> probably like three or four times a day. And I just sit there and I stare at it and I'm like, all right. <laughs> we got to cut somebody because yeah. I mean, I could sit here and try to count, but like it's, it's a high enough number that I can, it's more than 15. It's probably over 20 at this point. There are just so many players that are like technically on the roster right now that there are going to be, like I said, there's only so many ro- roster spots, but there's good. Yep. There's too many good players. And Trey man kind of feels like the odd man out right now because obviously like with Usman Jang he's he's younger and he has longer left on his uh, rookie contract he was of course a lottery pick you know I think OKC is probably a little more invested in his development at this point than Trey Mann's that breaks my heart man yeah I know because Trey Mann is he's just so good but I think it's ultimately going to be better for both parties in the long run i think okc is you know they're going to move forward with what they have and then trey man i would imagine he's going to get a pretty good opportunity on another team uh, Mm -hmm. especially after what he showed during summer league um even though you know we had the conversation about how like the let him cook kind of players always look better in summer league yeah that's true but with trey man it's it's definitely different because you can tell with certain guys, it's like it looks effortless to them. And those are the guys that have the skills that will translate to the NBA. And then there's the other guys that like, you can tell they're kind of doing everything that they have to do in their power to make this happen. Even if it is impressive, it's like, okay, this is there's, there's levels to this. Um, But Trey man is kind of the guy that I look at that I'm like, this isn't uh this relationship is coming to an end case and wallace to me is gonna be our dort replacement i know that's a hot take some Ooh, people that is like, interesting i like yeah. it yeah the like pitchforks it. will come out on okc yeah. thunder twitter if i say that uh too much so wait publicly. alex let me ask you do you think he can guard up like dort does because dort is like a shorter guy he's like six four maybe on good day six five but <laughs> He's just so stout that he can try to guard your threes and fours. Do you think Kaysen can can end up doing that at the league level? So the thing with Kaysen that like blew me away watching him in person at Summer League is that's a big, big dude. Like I did mm-hmm. not realize how like stocky this guy is. He's very similar right. to Dort in that regard. I think Dort might have a little bit shorter of a wingspan, but like right. Dort despite being on the you know shorter side for a guard he's still just he's built like a linebacker and i think yeah, yeah. Kaysen is maybe not built the, to the same extent as dort but i think he could get there eventually um as he kind of gets the nba you know diet and training and everything uh but 
given his contract is significantly cheaper, given that OKC will probably look to make, you know, a splash at some point and cash in, Dort's going to be the guy that's, in my opinion, going to be used to match contracts and facilitate right, that right. kind of thing. Well, you know Makes what? Sense. I wasn't going to bring up the Pascal Siakam stuff right now, <laughs> but you brought up two guys that I would be interested in if I'm Toronto. Trey Mann is a guard. The Raptors are desperate for guards. You can have Dort be a, a wing defender for you, kind of su- supplement some of the stuff you might lose Pascal-wise on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. The, whatever picks and stuff included. I mean, OKC has <laughs> the, the pick cachet is just immense. Yeah. Um, I think it's like 35 over the next two years. Oh my Lord. Yeah, like, and, and you were talking <laughs> about the, the 20 guys they have on the roster right now. It's like, what, how are you even going to house whoever you end yeah. up drafting next? Um, I, I, it's an, it's a great problem to have. I think this is a good place to be in if you're the thunder, but there's going to be other guys like Pascal that come along that you can consolidate. Carl Anthony Towns is a guy that's been mentioned as maybe a possible target. There's like, there's these types of players, but then it goes back to the question of is OKC willing to make that type of splash at any point in time? Sam Presti and crew seem very, um, I guess conservative in that route in the sense that they want to build things going forward that way. Lauren, I want to ask you, do you think that they're like now is the time to make that move or do you think, Hey, let's wait it out. Let's be patient with it. And then go from there. And and I guess, Alex, yeah. if you want to jump in afterwards. but Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it's really intriguing because they have, on, on one hand, they've got these guys that I don't want to say, they're not, I wouldn't call them disposable, but they're very intriguing trade bait for a raw, all around the league. And so right. what I look at from the outside when I look at OKC is you're looking at Lou Dort and Trey Mann and these guys that, that get to a point where it's like, okay, we have an idea of who they are. They're not in necessarily in the Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren, Shea, uh, kind of tier, but they've established themselves as good NBA players with with clear room to grow. And so at what point does the leverage shift a little bit for teams out from the outside looking in saying, well, there's for Trey Mann more specifically, um, there's less of a role. There's this odd man out is now the time to trade. Do we just kind of wait OKC out because they do have all these picks and they have all these guys they're going out and then they're adding like Ty Ty Washington, Usman Gruba. And so from the outside, it's kind of like, where do you, where do you kind of go? How do you go about making moves with OKC? And for OKC, it seems like they just have their pick of the litter with anyone that comes available. And so I think that they find themselves in a good position to where they don't need to do one thing or another, or they're not rushed to do one thing or another. If Trey Mann is the odd man out and he goes, like I said, it's not like they don't have a million other guys to kind of step up, either fill his role or fill the next up-and-coming, young, intriguing player that they've got. I'm really intrigued by Usman Jiang. I'm, I think he's really, he's a really interesting player. Um, so I'm curious to see when that consolidation trade comes because we've been talking about it for so long. But I think from the outside, it doesn't look like they're in any rush to do it. And I don't think that that's necessarily good or bad, but I kind of want to hear from Alex what he thinks about the consolidation trade, maybe any names out there that he likes or kind of where he feels that they're at. I feel like... Um... Like you said, we're not necessarily in any rush, like immediately. Uh, that's something Presti has done a really, really good job of. Um, I, I forget what the exact specifics. Of, oh, yeah, we got Patty Mills for like a second round pick or something yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. then we yeah, yeah. we traded Patty Mills for Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba and like two second round picks. So <laughs> he's just like he, he's the revolving door of assets is. Yeah endless so mm-hmm. if presty can just keep recycling like it's kind of a situation of just like throw stuff at the wall until like you have 10 that stick and yeah. then you go from there because like shay is 25 he's on contract till 2027 uh dort's on contract and he could facilitate trade uh trade chet we can eventually sign him to an extension but we have him for the next three years giddy kind of the same next two years you know, this, the pieces that really matter right now, we have them for a while. So yeah. like this year, I don't think you, it's, you don't make the first thing, the first trade that comes up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's rare for someone to, you know, marry the first person that they start dating. It's, right. that's kind of how it feels to me. It's like Sam Presti's going to date around a little bit. He's going to, he's going to talk <laughs> to different front offices. He's going to see which stars pop up here and there. He's going to play he's in his early twenties right now. He's yeah, in his exactly. Early, yeah, yeah. And then once the right girl comes along, he's going to throw 1500 picks at him and 
throw Dort and whatever else he needs to match contracts, and then boom. And, yeah. You know, okay, so he's got a contender, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, man, even even now they're not I they don't feel yeah. too too far away. Mm-mm. Um and nice. if you look like I'm just looking at their depth chart right now, rotation wise, I'm assuming you start Chet, Jalen Williams, Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, SGA, and then you know, off the bench, you have any variation of Isaiah Joe, you have an Usman Jiang. I don't know if he cracks the rotation, maybe he does. Jalen Williams, you have uh Kaysen Wallace. Does Poku ever get any run? Maybe do do we still have Poku believers out there? I, I, I don't know. Poku's, I'm just saying like Poku's yeah. on the chopping block in my opinion. Yeah, I, I hear you. Thank I hear you. you. Yeah. I hear you. And then, Fair. you know, like there's the guys like Depot and you, you know, I mean, I don't know if Rudy Gay is gonna get run. I highly doubt it, but he'll be a great veteran. Maybe he gets released or waived. Who knows? But I'm I'm just saying, like, the rotation is pretty set. Um right. and it, and it's all like you said, Alex, it's all guys who are locked in long term. They're going to be there till 2026 and beyond, most likely. Uh, And building that core out naturally seems like the right way to go. I want to ask you about the combination of the the backcourt between Giddy and SGA and then their their potential partnership with Chet. Just in terms of pick and rolls, what you can see maybe coming out of that. How do you think Chet might be used offensively in year one? Because he's a huge piece of this puzzle, right? Like, I mean, as much as we can talk about Usman Jiang and Trey Mann and all these guys, the fringe guys who might be able to, you know, crack crack the rotation or maybe make the squad, the the prospect here that everybody is excited to look at is Chet. So I want to see how you think, you know, year one Chet might look. Yeah, with Chet, um, the thing with Giddy that I think a lot of people – don't realize or at least didn't realize during his rookie year maybe they've picked up on it more um this most recent season uh the big thing with giddy his rookie year was yes he's an amazing passer but oftentimes in order to get the most out of someone who is an amazing passer or someone who has amazing feel like he does they have to have some level of scoring gravity you know if the defense isn't isn't worried about you scoring then your ability to create advantages it's pretty limited. So with Giddy, the big thing for him in year two was developing that little bit of scoring prowess. And he took a massive leap this year. Like he added a floater to his game and it was, it was money all season. And then he's able to finish at the rim now, which wasn't the case his rookie year and the three point shot still not there yet, but it's coming along and it looks like it's going to eventually be at least like 34%, a respectable enough level that defenses will honor you. And now the big piece of the puzzle with Giddy that I'm excited to see this year is the fact that he's going to be playing with a role man with Chet, because that's something that OKC hasn't really had. Like, yeah, we've had, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. We've had Jay Jalen Williams. Um, they're not really guys that you can rely on as a consistent pick and roll role man, where you can like yeah. go to that and use that as like a staple of your offense. Like OKC really, they don't run a lot of plays. Like we have some basic actions that are used consistently, but a lot of the times it's Shea bringing the ball up the floor. Someone will come up from the paint. Like they're going to set a screen for him. They'll slip it and Shea will drive and whatever advantages are created off of that. It's just kind of improvisation at that point. And now with Giddy and Chet, we have kind of a new thing, a new element to add to the equation. That's like, okay, we can, ride this for a little while we'll lean on this and see how long it's going to work for and then from there you start to build out more and more of the game plan and that's what chet really brings to the table is like not only is he going to add a lot of uh you know a new dynamic to the offense in his own right just off of his individual scoring ability He's also going to extract a lot out of the other players on the roster. He's going to add spacing for Shea. He's going to add a a two man, more of a two man game for Giddy to lean on. And that's what I'm most excited for with Chet is, yes, he's going to be very, very good individually. His defense, I have a feeling is going to be incredible. But more than that is the fact that he is going to instantly make this team so much more effective than it was last year. And, you know, that's a team that was already in the play-in tournament. So now our floor just gets even higher in theory, you know. God forbid he struggles with injuries or, you know, isn't able to contribute at the level that people think he's going to. But I don't see that happening, at least, you know, injuries. I don't want to jinx it. But with the play, 
Chet's Look, game it's is always, one that's it's, just very effective. It's always yeah. going to be a concern. Uh, not not necessarily a concern, but like you, you, it's it's natural for any player, I think. Um, and I, I mean, when it comes to Chet and what he can provide offensively, I think like okay, now you have a pick and pop threat. Maybe he helps stretch the floor a little bit more. Something OKC okay, so has struggled with. That's why Isaiah Joe was so massive for you guys last season, right? And and how he was able to stretch the floor for you guys. Can't believe we like, stole him from the Sixers. Incredible. Oh my gosh. Oh man, incredible. That see, like imagine if Isaiah Joe was on the Sixers right now, man. You know, you 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 feel a little bit less worried about them using <laughs> losing like George Niang and all those guys. But anyways, um. I just think he stretched the floor a little bit more for you guys. It opens up the paint more for SGA, opens up the paint for Giddy. Uh, I think at a bare bones level, a surface level, that's what makes Chet's impact so so immense. And, and obviously there's the other side of the ball, which is defensively and what mm-hmm. he does from a rim protection perspective. You guys, the, the Thunder were incredible at getting stops and stopping guys in transition, and they just added a rim protector to all of that. So the half-court defense is going to look even better now, too. And you don't have to be as as aggressive with the helping. You know, we kind of talked about this on Twitter today, but yeah. they don't have to overhelp as much on, on the defensive end, and maybe they can rely on that backline defender a lot more in chat. Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm a huge Chet guy. I, I, I like. Yeah. I just love the fit with uh, Shea and Giddy and all those guys. I think it's going to be awesome. Okay, see is going to be great. I guess the only question is the guard rotation, which brings me to my next team, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the Orlando Magic. Um, guard rotation is also an issue for them, Lauren. Uh, look, mm-hmm. they have Markel Fultz, Anthony Black, who they just drafted, looked great in the summer league, mm-hmm. uh, Cole Anthony, and then Jalen Suggs. And I just wonder, developmentally, how they're going to mix that all in and make it work. I, I feel like... Cole Anthony is probably the odd man out in this situation, but Markel Fultz is up for an extension. Jalen Suggs is a guy who is developing as a shooter, mm-hmm. good point of attack defender, still has to work on different areas of his game. Anthony Black is a larger player, maybe can play up in the wing a little bit more, play your mm-hmm. two or your three sometimes in certain spots. I'm just, I'm curious to see how that looks. And and in a similar vein, like to OKC, how they're going to, make and optimize and maximize these guys developmentally lauren where do you where do you sit on orlando and their guard rotation yeah orlando i feel a little bit differently when you're comparing okc because okc i mean they, no, they have shea well, i mean yeah, well <laughs> they have shea but they also like they 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 tick all the boxes they've got a little bit of everything and then but i feel like when you're talking about orlando's guard rotation specifically their wings an entirely different conversations but their guards yeah. specifically there are clear limitations with just about everyone on that in that rotation. And so I kind of go back and forth between Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. It's so bizarre, um, even considering Jalen Suggs to potentially be in that conversation of who might be the odd man out. But I do feel like sometimes when I'm looking at Orlando Magic Twitter and kind of what I'm seeing, I do see his name get tossed around a little bit. And so um, I think that they're in a position as well where they also have more time to kind of figure it out, see what Markel Fultz even looks like from a longevity standpoint as they get more time with him. He obviously had had great stretches. So how does that look for them? Um, but I think I would I feel a lot less confident in their kind of guard, even like their guard wings. Like I. I just I need to see it a little bit more right now. It yeah. feels so um, focused on their bit, like their bigs and their wings, and and that that kind of group. And that's great. I think that having that level of versatility is probably the met, the most valuable that you can have on a young roster. But you gotta have those guards. And it seems like in Orlando, we've been waiting for who's going to be the guard. Who how's it going to look? And I think getting Anthony Black is is a big plus. But as far as the true point guard, it doesn't really seem like they necessarily have that box ticked. And I want to see kind of come training camp and once the season gets started, what does the rotation look like? Who do they seem to be trusting? Because uh, right now, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't feel overly confident. I just Fair don't. Enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay. I think, I think the big question with me with their guard rotation is, is floor spacing. And that's actually a pretty big question with them in general, uh, to a lesser degree. It kind of also applies to OKC, but I think, I think they tried to address that by adding guys like Joe Ingles and Jet Howard to the mix and seeing if they can, you know, if they can insert those guys into the lineup to space the floor for them a little bit more, even though they, they paid, they probably overpaid Joe Ingles to do that. But regardless, I think 
you can see variations of this team that would make sense lineup wise. If you throw, you know, I think in my opinion, Markel is the best table setter on that team in terms of being a game manager, a guy who's going to kind of set the table for Paolo and Franz to get into that. Also, I think from a playmaking perspective, Paolo and Franz are pretty good from like, like for what they are and where they are in their careers, they've shown that they have ability to make plays for others. So it's, how are you going to maximize those reps, their pick and roll reps, their creation reps, and then also be able to have these guards that can play off of them. And you need shooting around those two. So it goes back to like, Alex, what did you see from jet Howard shooting wise? Do you think, do you trust Ant Black as a shooter going forward? Maybe Jalen Suggs, maybe something you've seen from him. Overall, how do you feel about this team's prospects, I guess? Uh, From Summer League, uh, Jet Howard really, really impressed me. Um, That dude is super confident, and uh, he just looked very – his style of play seemed very mature um, and like something that can easily be translated to the NBA – um, and it's not like one of those guys who's going to be, oh, it worked here in this context, but it's not going to work here in this context with him. That just doesn't seem like the case. I feel like he's going to come in and be able to be immediately impactful. All of this will translate just fine. But there are other there are other guards on the roster. Anthony Black kind of seems like regardless of whether or not he does translate and you trust the shooting or not, they're going to have to take that risk. So he he's going to get run no matter what this year, mm-hmm. likely a significant amount, which means you're taking away from somebody else. Now, who does that come away from? Do you right. make a trade? That's like, I, I don't have an answer for that. It's very, very confusing to me looking at this and seeing like Cole Anthony to me. I don't think he's a guy who necessarily needs to get 36 minutes a night. Nor do I think he's a guy. I think he is someone who understands that his ideal role is 25 minutes a game coming off the bench and being a, you know, going out there and lighting it up sixth man, you know, yeah, making some plays, running some pick type. and yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And Jalen Suggs, is, he's always kind of felt like the odd man out when this conversation always comes up. I really like the improvement that he's shown, but at a certain point, I feel like, teams run out of patience whether that is warranted or whether they should run out of patience as quickly as they do in a lot of cases that's a different discussion but with Jalen Suggs I feel like he's the guy who's on the clock the most right now um, because obviously contract discussions start coming into the equation and then things just get weird things get uncomfortable for everybody so now it's like all right we've got we've got Jed Howard and we've got Anthony Black and they're on rookie contracts for the foreseeable future. Jalen Suggs, we're getting to the point where we don't know what to do with you. So yeah, we might be letting you walk. We might be throwing you in a trade package. Mm-hmm. It's it, it just feels like he's the guy who might be the next one out. It's so interesting to hear that because oh, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, I, I just think like, you know, Going into that draft class with Scotty and Mobley and all those guys, it just seemed like Suggs was the most surefire prospect. Not maybe the most, but like one of the most surefire mm-hmm. prospects in that class. Um, and just looking back on how his the first couple of years of his career has unfolded is 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 sort of unfortunate because I think the the guard rotation didn't help him developmentally. I think some of those injuries that he had early in his career didn't help him developmentally but I still believe there's a player in there and a good player in there from a point of attack defense perspective, from a playmaking perspective. I think the shooting is clearly the swing factor here for what Suggs can be as a player, but I do believe at the very least he can be a rotation guy on your team. And I'm just thinking with a Raptors lens on, it's like, man, the Raptors would love to get a guard like that. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, And obviously there's been like the Siakam Orlando rumors. I don't think there's much validity to that, but regardless, it's just interesting to me that we're talking about two teams that have a boatload of guards that might be, you know, kind of on their way out, if you will. Um, In terms of what you guys see Orlando doing next season, how do you, do they stack up with the rest of the Eastern conference? Where do they stack up in the rest of the Eastern conference? Uh, Lauren, like if you had to think of teams that they're clearly ahead 
yeah. list them for me right now. No, I'm just kidding. But like, yeah. I mean, I'll list them. Shoot. Uh, yeah. I mean, personally, I, I, it's tricky because I, I do put a lot of weight in that guard position and, and kind of having that table setter. I think that that's yeah. incredibly important. So, but I would take them, I'd take them over Washington. I'd take them probably over Charlotte. Um, mm. I'd take, I, to be honest, this could be a hot take, but I might even take them over the bulls. Um, I'm pretty low on the bulls at, at this specific I think, point in time. I honestly think even bulls fans are low on the bulls. Oh, so. it just, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. Um, I'm high on the Pistons, so I'm not going to throw them in there. Um, really? Okay. What about, what about the I, Nets? I, uh, see, they're tricky. They're yeah. tricky to me because I'm a big, I like Mikhail, what he's doing. I feel like they've got good veteran pieces around him right now. If they switch that up a little bit and kind of go a little bit younger and they don't find themselves necessarily looking for that home run swing right now, then maybe. But right now, I don't know. I got to see a little bit more. Like I said, I mean, both teams have their guy, but mm -hmm. Brooklyn has veteran point guards, guys that they can trust a little bit more than I think maybe Orlando does. I think Orlando yeah. is a little, maybe a little too free right now. They need some, some more stability. So um, I like what, I mean, I love coach Mosley. So I think that, you know, they will eventually find it. But right now I have too many questions that I need answers for in Orlando. Alex, where do you see uh, Orlando falling in the East next season? I mean, who knows? Dame still might get traded. There's still trades out there that right. might happen, but uh, where do you see them right now? So they were only six uh, six games back from the 10 seed. I think mm -hmm. they're going to be better than Washington. The Pacers, I think the Pacers are going to jump a pretty hefty amount this season because they were, yeah. you know, uh, they lost uh, – they lost – 47 games and the 10 seed mm -hmm. lost 42. I'm like, right. I feel like they're going to win, uh, you know, more yeah. than that. I think they're going to, they're going to pass the bulls. Toronto is kind of a wild card for me. I know. I, I don't, I, I'm yeah. curious how you I feel you, about Toronto, but I'm like, yeah. I don't yeah. know what the heck's going on. I've sat down and tried to gauge like what's Toronto going to be next year because it feels yeah. like they're perpetually a playoff team. But now I'm like, I don't know what the heck they're going to be. Yeah, man. I mean, look, I think if they if they keep Siakam through the year, they probably will end up being like a play-in team. Uh, they'll still be competitive on that front. But if they trade Siakam, then yeah, they're going to be, you know, near the bottom of the Eastern Conference and Orlando probably laps them from that point. So I, I just, um, it all rests on the shoulders of the Siakam thing. If I was yeah. a betting man right now, I would probably say Siakam is not on the roster uh, on opening night. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, bet at sports interaction, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, um, aggregate that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Aggr <laughs> aggregate that, ladies and gentlemen. NBA Central, not even the real one, but the fake <laughs> yeah. one is gonna is gonna post my my clip here. Um, we'll see what happens in Orlando. I think they're they are like what OKC did last season, or maybe the year before that, in terms of being a frisky team that doesn't make like maybe makes the plan, maybe makes things interesting in the plan. I could see Orlando doing that in the Eastern conference. Things have to shake, right? I think Paolo would have to look as good, if not better in year two, Franz has to take another step. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot of questions around, you know, Wendell Carter jr. Some of the guard spot stuff that we talked about. So there's potential there, but I, I just, I think I'm pretty dead set on this team being a playing team in the Eastern conference. Lauren, I will throw I, I I threw out Orlando, Alex threw out OKC, mm -hmm. throw out another team. Let's talk about them. Yeah. I mean, the teams that are the most interesting to me are the teams that have lots of intriguing young guys, but then are also faced with a bit of a log jam at a different mm -hmm. position. So kind of shifting away from the guards, I want to talk about Detroit because okay. they throw this extension uh to Isaiah Stewart, and you've got some people that are they like it, some people don't like it, some people say it's shifting the market a little bit for other guys. Um, but they, they were fun in the summer league. Their guys looked fun. Marcus Sasser looked awesome. I thought, yeah. um, I think that they're in a really intriguing spot. And then Killian Hayes is a name that kind of circulates on, on, on trade talk Twitter, it seems these days. So I think they're in a really intriguing spot to go out and make these trades for vets, but also while still having these young guys, I go back and forth with Detroit when they're, are they trading these vets because they're trying to have, and maybe it's, maybe the answer is they're trying to, to do all of these things, but are they trying to flip them and just keep racking up assets or are they trying to have this kind of leader veteran, veteran uh, 
presence in the locker room to try and build some some continuity over the long term. Um, and those things I don't always know, especially especially with Boyan. I, I never know if he's going to yeah. be dealt or if he's going to you know be around for a little bit longer. So um, I think they're in a really interesting spot. I absolutely love Jalen Duran. So I, I feel like they've got a lot of pieces in play. They just kind of got to put them together. So I'm curious to see what a new coach and, and a new kind of system looks like for this team next year. The Pistons are really interesting in the sense that like the, yeah, the big stuff is, is going to be a, a question mark in, in this season. And like, are they going to run the double big lineups with Duran Duran and, and Stewart mm-hmm. is Bagley going to get as much run as he did last season is Wiseman going to get any type of run next yeah. season. I, I think there are a lot of interesting front court questions with them, but also if you're trying to maximize Cade and Ivy, and I still believe in those guys as as guys who can develop as shooters, uh, let alone like le- like the star stuff, the star upside that they have. I think the shooting will come with those two as well. But you still have to maximize them by adding shooting around them, and and that means maybe playing a little bit smaller so you don't play the double big lineup, and you go a Sar, you maybe go a Joe Harris who they recently acquired. Maybe Monte Morris gets some run next to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah Livers, who's like a three and D shooting guy, like he can he can shoot and knock down shots. I'm a big Isaiah Livers guy. I, I don't know Pistons Twitter knows this, but um, <laughs> Boyan obviously. I think maybe playing smaller works for the Monty Williams system a little bit more. Alex, I wonder if you have any thoughts on on how I don't know Monty might make this team look next season and just overall impressions about Detroit. Yeah, I, it's. It's really tough because they're in a similar but different situation to OKC where they have a lot of guys on the roster who like theoretically should be getting playing time. But with OKC, Mm -hmm. it's a bunch of young guys. And then with Detroit, it's young guys and old guys. And it's like, okay, it, it gets really hard to serve two masters, especially when you have older guys on the roster who like they either want the team that they're on to move out of a tank or they want to get traded to a team that is not tanking or not rebuilding anymore. And I wonder if that question starts to pop up for the Pistons this season with guys like Boyan, with guys like Monte Morris, who, you know, there's so many teams in the NBA right now that would love to have a Monte Morris on their roster. So maybe Detroit's looking at this season as kind of a, Let's weed things out a little bit and see who are we moving forward with and who are we trimming after this season? Because guys like Marvin Bagley, guys like James Wiseman, they start to look more expendable because Detroit either wants to move out of the tank or they want to get younger. And there's only so much room for so many young guys, especially in a positional log jam like they're at in their front court. To me, it's... Monty Williams seems like a guy who would rather do things sooner than later. You know, with, mm-hmm. with Phoenix, he came in and it was pretty much, it was a quick change. They, they turned things around quick. And with yeah. Detroit, they're in kind of a similar situation to that Suns team where it was like, okay, we've been rebuilding. We've been trying to get things to the point that we can take that next step. And I feel like Monty Williams is coming in and they're like, and he's saying, guys, we're, we're, we got to do something. We can't just keep yeah. tanking, especially yeah. in this draft. Like this draft, there yeah. are good players, but this is not the draft to be tanking in. This is yeah, not this a Wemba season. In. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, I want, I want to get your, your thoughts, your impressions of Asar just from summer league. I mean, he should, man, I think like initially I was really high on Asar and a man just going into the draft. And then Asar just blew me away in the summer league just from, a defensive versatility perspective. Like they've been begging for a three and D guy on the Pistons, a young three and D guy. And like, sure. Isaiah livers might pan out. Boyan is a guy who like, he's very old, but he can, he can work in certain settings and he's not the defender he once was, et cetera. But like Asar is a young guy that can build with, with Kate and Ivy immediately. And I believe in the shooting upside whenever that comes, what's your impressions of Asar so far? Uh, summer league wise and, and how he might look on this team the first game uh, that I watched of the Pistons at summer league I was sitting there the whole time and I was like give him the freaking ball 
Like, stop looking <laughs> off of him. Stop driving into traffic. Stop sitting there jab-stepping and dribbling the air out of the ball. Give the ball to Asar <laughs> and let him go to work. Because that dude is advantage creation in a nutshell. If yeah. you give that dude the ball, he's getting downhill. He's he's forcing help at the nail and finding a shooter. He's doing something. He's going to make something happen. And that didn't happen in the first game I watched, and I tweeted about it. I was like, was not a fan of how much like far worse players were looking off of Asar Thompson. I was like, that cannot happen in summer league. Like these are very they important listened. reps right now. They listened. <laughs> they did. Yeah. And getting to see him have like that freedom to really show what he can do. And like the shot didn't always go in. The layups weren't always going in, but the process, you can't have a problem with the process because it was yeah. impressive regardless of if the ball went through the hoop or not. And then you look at the defensive end and like this dude's motor is insane. I, I want to know mm -hmm. what his cardio routine is because <laughs> crazy. it's unbelievable. Like these guys both just have the, so much energy. It, bl it blew me away. It's both unreal. The athletes, both these twins are man. It just, it blows me away. They are already 99th percentile athletes in the NBA, like coming into the league. It's just, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it either. How do you think that works? Cause you said you got to get the ball in Asar's hands. And I think the same thing applies in a lot of ways to Cade, to Ivy. And it's not like those guys are, are profound shooters yet. Maybe they develop into it, but I think they all play differently. They all can attack a closeout differently. I think Cade is good at, at probing and manipulating and making decisions that way. Asar is using his athleticism a little bit more. Ivy using his athleticism a little bit more. How does that work? Because all three of them sort of require the ball at this point in time in their careers. That <laughs> that's where it gets weird to me because yeah. you know, in theory, you're like, well, you know, a guy like Jaden Ivy. I think Jaden Ivy is. I think Kate is very good in the, in pick and roll as well. But Jaden Ivy, because of his speed and uh, you know that quick first step, he's really good in the pick and roll. Uh, Cade is kind of a more methodical, like you said, he's probing a lot more, but they also, when you look at Jaden Ivy and the fact that he's a good pick and roll playmaker, they also don't really have a great pick and roll big, it, you know, Duran, I think has that potential, but I still think, you know, some things got to get ironed out there. He's got to just develop a little more, which will come with time. Mm -hmm. And then Asar is kind of like the guy who's going to get the ball after Cade or Ivy is probing the defense and collapses things a little bit. And then Asar is going to get it on the wing and, you know, he can attack from there and, and create opportunities. But as far as getting to the point where they're like finishing plays, that process to me is kind of a question mark because I don't know what, especially with a new coach, like what are they doing to get, there what what does the process right. look like to get from 24 seconds on the shot clock to ball in the net and the, I, mm. I genuinely don't know i have no idea because they're so yeah. odd kind of oddly constructed as it is right now oh yeah um lauren i will ask you this okay mm -hmm. and I, I was just checking because i'm i'm actually kind of astounded i, I didn't realize this but i i kind of made a guess and i was right the the Pistons haven't won over 25 games, 23 to be exact, oh, but they man. haven't won more than 25 games since Blake Griffin was on the roster in the 2018-2019 mm -hmm. season. They were the eighth seed that year, okay? It's been a while, man. Mm -hmm. It's been a while. Do they crack 25 wins this season? They won 17 last year, by the way, just keeping yeah. that in mind as a, as, a, as a, you know, kind of misnomer, if you will. Asar is being added to the team. Monty mm -hmm. Williams is now the head coach. We know the additions. Do they crack 25 wins? I I think if the Charlotte Hornets can win 27 games last year, then the Detroit Pistons <laughs> can win 25 <laughs> games this year. Fair I enough. really do. Uh, so I think, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I agree with how the pieces fit together. There are some clear questions there, especially when you're talking about who has the ball in their hands. Um, but I do like their their young core, and I'm really intrigued to see what Monty can do with them. So I do have have some faith that they will be headed in the right direction. Um, but I also think that sometimes when you have a coach that comes in and knows exactly what he wants to do, sometimes that's where things maybe ru the rubber meets the road a little bit, where it, it right. kind of um, 
I don't want to say singles out, but like you can, it clearly becomes who, or you can clearly see who is now kind of the odd man out. And so that's right. where I kind of look at James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley. And, and I will say that, you know, while they have these young guys and these veteran players, they have a lot of guys on expiring deals and even in the final two years, of their, their deals. So uh, while they are an intriguing group, I do think a lot of those guys could be maybe not a lot. I don't want to say a lot, but um, the majority of them or, or half of them even uh, will find themselves in trade discussions, whether they know it, want to acknowledge it or not. Yeah. So I'm kind of waiting to see how that all pans out. Well, yeah, there's the there's the group of Boyan, Alec Burks, and Joe Harris that are just expiring contracts, and it's like, right. how are you gonna? You can get something for that, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Uh, oh, especially yeah. Boyan, who I know the Pistons have high demands for for what he might be and like what they might be able to get for him, but still, like that, those are three guys who might be able to fit into a playoff rotation for a playoff mm -hmm. team or a contending team, and maybe at the trade deadline, you know, the Phoenix Suns just acquired like seven second round picks. I don't know if that's something the Pistons would be entertaining, but like, I don't know. You know what I mean? There's, there's something out there that yeah. maybe the Pistons can shake things up that way. Okay. Sure. So we've talked OKC. We've talked Orlando. We've talked Detroit. Alex, balls in your court. What team do you want to talk about next? That sounds like, uh, you know, young cores to me. So yeah, uh, you know, yeah. we could keep it consistent. I mean, who's, who's left? Like, we could talk about Charlotte. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I say Houston's you, probably the next logical step because uh, I was going to say, do you yeah. guys want to talk about Houston? Okay. Talk about right. Houston. So there's, I mean, I guess since we're hopping from one twin to the next, <laughs> uh, we didn't get a chance to see a man for, for an extended period of time in the summer league. It was really unfortunate. He got hurt, but that one game was enough to show us what the potential was for how he looks on that team. And, and maybe from a, you know, obviously they uh, added Fred Van Bleet this summer. They added Dylan Brooks. They are trying to win more now. But I wonder, and and you 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 Alex, you've kind of alluded to it with other teams. It's like how do you how do you do both? How do you develop these guys? Make sure that you know Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and Tari Eason and Amen get the opportunities that they need to, while also figuring out a way to win with the Fred Van Bleets and the Dylan Brookses of the world. How do you think they balance that in in this season, especially with a new coach at the helm? Yeah, this is where it's going to be like uncomfortable conversations are going to have yeah. to happen because someone it'd be different if like some some teams they'll have like, you know, a six two guard, a six four guard and then like a six five guard. And they're like, well, we'll just run the six five guard at small forward and call it a day. But like right. Houston can't really do that because like Dylan Brooks, I think, is like. He's maybe six four, six five, something like that. But Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green, it's like Jalen Green is six three on a good day, and Fred Van Vliet, I mean, he's less than that. It's five so, eleven, five yeah. eleven on a good day. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm like, they don't have a lot of like positional backcourt versatility. Which if they did, this is an entirely different discussion. And then of course they have a man coming off the bench, potentially. I mean. In, in a perfect world, he's able to start, but that's just right. not something that's going to be able to happen to me. What's going to end up happening is Dylan Brooks will probably be the guy that comes off the bench because Dylan Brooks, he has experience coming off the bench. I don't think that's going to be, you know, terribly difficult to navigate, especially like Ime Udoka seems like he's got a good, um, like finger on the pulse of this locker room where mm -hmm. he's kind of speaking their language and telling them, all right, this is how it's going to be. This is how we're going to do things. If you don't like it, then, you know, we'll figure it out. But, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to have these difficult discussions. And the, the whole Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green and Amen thing is like, that's just such, it just sucks. Cause it's like, he, he's too good not to get playing time. Yeah, and not to you know, start Fred Van Vliet even, is maybe. making too much yeah. money and he's too he's too respected and you know well known and established of a player to come off the bench. Like I just don't see that happening. Yeah. So mm -hmm. someone's yeah. development's getting they, sacrificed. No, you're right. There is a world because I think Jalen and Fred are good off the ball. Uh in some in some cases they can be a lead off the ball in terms of you know catch and shoot threats, guys who can make decisions on the go, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you have a man being the table setter for those guys, maybe that now works as a starting lineup where you have a man be the quote unquote point guard, Fred off the ball, 
Jalen as your de facto. I mean, you're playing small at this point, but you as your de facto three, and then you have Jabari Smith and Shengun as your sort of front court. Again, defensively, that raises a lot of questions, and it, it it's going to be ugly. But at least offensively, for one of the worst offensive teams, especially in the half court last season, I think there's a way this team looks a lot better, or at least functions a lot better on the offensive end. Um, Lauren, I feel like throughout this conversation, developmentally, mm-hmm. we've talked about like the mishmash of rosters and how you know for the Pistons it's the front court for OKC in Orlando it's the back court mm-hmm. with Houston it feels like it's everywhere um <laughs> it, it it does though you know i yeah. mean it just like how are you going to manage Jabari Smith and Tari Eason and Shangoon yep. and now you've added some of these older guys into the mix like a Jock Landale uh Cam Whitmore who is the summer league mvp how are you going to incorporate him into this mix i just oh. i'm kind of curious like what does this rotation even look like in yeah. the start, you know? Yeah, it's it's really intriguing because to me, the two guys that I'm looking at are Jay Shante and Kevin Porter Jr. And I mean, it's been widely reported that the Rockets internally value Kevin Porter Jr. a lot higher than the rest of the league seems to, which, yeah. you know, makes sense. But that's the case for most guys on most teams. But um, I look at those two guys and Jay Shante was a name that was kind of thrown around in maybe some trade discussions throughout the summer. Like there were many trade packages that included him in it. Anytime you were talking about the Rockets, maybe ahead of the draft, after the draft, whatever the case may be. But Jabari Smith and Tari Eason looked pretty solid in the summer league before Jabari Smith got shut down. And so um, that's why I kind of go back and, and look at those guys, especially when you bring in someone like Dylan Brooks and even Cam Whitmore. So I also, I mean, Chain Goon has shown he's he's impressed, uh, but I do, in my opinion, this is a big year for him. This is where he kind of solidifies where he ranks in this this quote unquote young core, um, and so that's that's another thing that I'm going to be looking out for. Um, so yeah, I think that right now this kind of mishmash that they have, where however you feel about them bringing in Fred Van Fleet um, and even Dylan Brooks, the Dylan Brooks thing always kind of felt inevitable, but. How you feel this roster is going to go, I feel like is going to vary by person you each person you ask because there really does feel like I don't even want to say a log jam at each position. I feel like it's just maybe not super complimentary fits. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do on the trade market because they do have guys that are intriguing that I think other teams could potentially have interest in. Um, and I'm curious how heavily they shop those guys or if they kind of just see where there's this team is at with a new coach and a coach that looks like he wants to compete now. And with a new veteran winning point guard, how do they feel, you know, how do they feel that that looks? And so I've got almost just as many questions, if not more with the Rockets than I do with Orlando. Um, I like a lot of their, their guys, but how they all fit together is a completely different kind of question for me. Maybe what completes this roster, or at least makes things make a little bit more sense, is their second overall pick from last year in Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah. Uh, he looked excellent in the Summer League. Uh, and, I mean, I I think he had a case for Summer League MVP as well. Uh, but, I mean, just, just from, like, looking at the growth he has on ball, and maybe, maybe that's just a Summer League thing. Maybe, you know, like we talked about it with, with Alex earlier, but just, like, the style of play – makes it more conducive for guys to be more on-ball players in Summer League. We'll see how that translates in the NBA uh, and in year two for him. But I think there's a lot of promise there for him to be maybe the main piece of this all moving forward. And I don't know where you guys are at with Jalen Green and how that might look moving forward. Even Shangun, you just mentioned. But I, I feel like Jabari is the swing factor here in terms of what the potential outlook of this team is two, three years down the road. Yeah, you know what Jalen Green can do already as a scorer, as a guy who's, who's I think, growing as a playmaker. You know what Shangun at a base level can do. Maybe he grows on the defensive end. I'm very skeptical of that. We'll see, though. With Jabari, that's the swing guy for this entire team for me. And if he can reach whatever ceiling people expect of him, now this opens up a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, how do you feel about that? Like just just Jabari in general from the summer league and like his importance to this Rockets team. I think it it depends entirely on how he's used this year because, and I think you can say that about a lot of the guys on Houston last year is like 
whether or not they succeed depends very, very, very heavily on how they're used. Like the Shangun Jalen Green two man game was fantastic for Houston last year, mm -hmm. but they just used it so little. Like it was such a small part of what they did, and it was used so infrequently that like you didn't get the most out of it. With Jabari, you know, he was kind of just used as a spot up shooter. But then in the summer league, it was a completely different story. It's like, oh, this dude's like got a face up game now. He's posting yeah. up and draining like turnaround mid range jumpers. He's he's uh, some of my favorite stuff was when he was operating as a screener and like playing like a role man because people forget yeah. he's six foot eleven. And he's got a ridiculous yeah. wingspan. It's like this dude could just end up being like a you know four or five hybrid and that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. It looks like that's going to be something he's capable of doing. So now you realize this versatility that he has. That's incredibly important on a roster where things are like as mismatched as they are. It's like, okay, well, you know, we might not have the most perfect fit, but if we have guys who can help bridge that gap, at least for now, then we can take some meaningful strides as a team in terms of development. And that's where that's going to be unlocked is like how much, how, how many different ways are they using Jabari Smith this year? Right. Yeah. I no, I, I couldn't agree more. And and it's the Houston is going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch initially at the start of the year, mm -hmm. maybe towards the end of the year, if they're not doing so hot, it'll be a little bit of a different story, but I, at least, at least initially seeing what the rotation looks like, seeing what, schemes they're throwing out there both defensively and offensively how they're going to look especially under a new head coach it's all fascinating uh and then you throw in the wrinkle of adding guys like fred van vliet and dylan brooks into the field it's like how is this team going to actually function when it comes down to it yeah we can look at the names and and it can look pretty but like how <laughs> is this going to function uh on a game to game basis that's just the truth of the matter with this houston rockets team okay We've covered four teams, folks, four teams. I want to ask you guys, do you guys want to move on to another team, a final another team, or do you want to do a little bit of, of ranking if you, if you want? I, oh, up man. to you guys. I'm throwing it out to you guys. It's the summer. It's the off season. I wish I had a pina colada, but I'm wearing a sweater in, <laughs> indoors. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you guys I'll feel? leave it up to the guest because I Oof. think uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to go either way. So I'll leave it up to Alex. Okay. Alex, how mm. you feeling? If, if you have a team you really want to talk about, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, either way. I think uh, for content purposes, let's do some <laughs> ranking. Let's do some okay. ranking. Ah, okay, I cool. like it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw these other teams in there that we could have talked about it, it, for this ranking, just for the fun <clears> of it. <throat> there, we could have talked about Indiana. We could have talked about you know Tyrese Halliburton, Jer Jairus Walker, and, and what they have there, Andrew Nembard, all those guys, which I'm very excited for uh, to see how they look. I think, Alex, earlier on you mentioned they're going to take a leap. I wholeheartedly agree. They Andrew just Nembard like rocks. Yes, yeah, he does. So he legit. is from my neighborhood, by the way. Shout out to Aurora, Ontario. Yeah. We're moving forward. <laughs> Shout out to him. Yes. Anyways, um, him and Kevin Pangos, ladies and gentlemen, the ones, <laughs> the truth. Uh, so, yes, Indiana obviously has their future. Uh, we talked about Houston, OKC, Orlando, and Detroit. There's Charlotte, obviously, with LaMelo Ball, Brandon Miller. What? Who Who knows what happens with the P.J. Washington situation? They have their big man. I, I'm very intrigued to see what they look like, especially with LaMelo being fully healthy next season. Obviously, there are the two major teams that people talk about when it comes to this draft in the sense that Portland, what are they going to do with the Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons you know, group? How is that going to look? How is that going to coalesce together? What happens with Dame, et cetera, et cetera? And then the San Antonio Spurs, which we didn't talk about, but I, I would have probably thrown out there for the fifth team to discuss because how <clears throat> are we not going to talk about Wemby and Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson and Trey Jones and Sohan and all those guys? Yeah, amazing that, that we didn't mention Wemby once. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm proud of us. I, I actually feel somewhat proud of this, but we are here and mentioning him now. So I will say, if you had to rank all of these teams I mentioned, including the four teams that we talked about for in depth. Oh man, how are you ranking them? And I guess what's your process in ranking them? So, so uh, yeah, take a second. We could Lord. do a we could throw a little SpongeBob five minutes later thing in <laughs> here, and then you know come back and and see how we feel. But yes, let's rank them. I'm gonna so, rank them too. Actually, what are yeah. the five teams? Or not five? What are the what are the teams? That okay, 
I'll throw, I'll throw them okay, out hold there. Hold on, let me you. write this down because we got okay, a lot of young I'm writing cores. it down too. <laughs> Welcome back. For you, it's been 20 seconds, maybe less. For us, it's been a couple minutes, but we have our cores. We we tried to go with under 25 or 25 and under, um, although maybe there's some some you know guys that slip through the cracks here. Regardless. I will let our guest go first. If, you, if our guest, if our guest wants Thanks. to, <laughs> I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're so you go one... <laughs> Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Do you want to go one through eight or eight, eight to one? Okay. I'll go, I'll go eight to one. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. So coming in at eight, Portland at okay. seven, Interesting. Charlotte. Okay. At six, the Pacers. Okay. Five, Detroit. Four, right. San Antonio. Three, Orlando. Two, Houston. And of course, one, OKC. <laughs> wow. I've, I, it's actually fascinating how, how different ours is. Honestly, really? it's, it's, oh yeah. I'm wow. actually, I'm so this scared. is interesting now. No, no. <laughs> It's, this is awesome. It's so, so different. I'll, okay. I'll provide I'll, I'll provide some reasoning yeah, for, yeah. for a yeah, few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the big ones that really, really bothered me to to rank were who do I put higher between San Antonio and Detroit? But yeah. I I watched the Spurs a lot at Summer League, and so maybe I have a little bit of recency bias uh, for their young guys, but outside of just Wemby, which Wemby automatically elevates your young core a significant amount. But like, yeah, even the, even the f- fact that Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson didn't even play in summer league, I was watching the young guys for San Antonio and I was like, these dudes are awesome. This is a great yeah. young team and they're going to be very good. So I ultimately ended up with San Antonio higher Detroit still. It, it's like splitting hairs for me at that point with them. Now, Charlotte, Portland, and Indiana. If mm-hmm. Miles Turner wasn't 27 years old, the Pacers <laughs> would have been higher. But they're more okay. of like they're closer to just like a good team than like a young core to me, which is yeah. why I have them low on a young core ranking. Charlotte, I have them over Portland because LaMelo Ball, PJ Washington, maybe Brandon Miller, like I don't know. It Charlotte has more of like more possibilities with their young core right now where Portland is like just now getting to the point that they're a young core. They're like, okay, I hear you. I hear we, you. Yeah. We don't know what they are yet. Yeah. They have scoot. Yeah. They have sharp, but like, we don't really know what their young core, like who's going to, they have Simons who I, I love Simons. Um, but I also think he's starting to get not up there in age, but he's starting to get to the point where he's like older than you would think type deal. So right. with them, it's like, I don't know what their identity is yet as a young core, who's going to emerge outside of their backcourt. Like who's going to be there. Who's going to be their big man. Who's going to be their four. Who's going to be their three. Right. Like we don't really know just yet. So that's why I had them at the bottom. Don't kill me. Portland fans. <laughs> I love scoot, but that's yeah. my rationale. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Thank you, Alex. All right, Lauren, go for it. Okay. Starting at eight. I also have Portland. All right. Yeah, I have Portland. I'm sorry. Um, And then I go Charlotte. (laughs) Then I go Indiana, then Houston, then Detroit, then Orlando, then San Antonio, and then OKC. That's what I've got. And similar, the Miles Turner not being a part of that, obviously, with the 25 and under cutoff um, is why they're towards the bottom, because I really, really like their group. Um, And with Portland being at the bottom, that hurts. But it's more of like the quantity over the quality for me because I'm higher on scoot than I am on anyone on Charlotte. Um, uh, let's see. And then Houston and Detroit was a little tricky because we just got done talking about like the mishmash fit, but then you're kind of looking at the individuals. Right. So that's a little tricky, but, um, you know, for a lot of, I, I, I feel like I keep seeing a lot of articles that have San Antonio just automatically propelled to number one because of Wemby and I res- you know I respect it but when you've got Shea Gilgis Alexander putting up MVP level numbers you can't in my opinion you can't knock what you've already seen and so um you know I'll let San Antonio prove it before I put them any higher okay fair enough I think our top three-ish four-ish is almost the same for all of us 
uh, the the end is is what makes a it little a little tricky. bit trickier. <laughs> Uh, and like you guys have made convincing arguments, like I kind of want to switch mine up now, just by like yeah, hearing me too. What I was sitting there like, oh, I might make some changes now, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll I'll say my list really quickly, and then and then we'll maybe discuss a little bit. Uh, I I have Charlotte last. I have them at eight. I have Portland at seven. And then I have Indiana at six. Detroit at seven, uh, at five. Houston at four. Orlando at three. San Antonio at two. And OKC at one. Okay. The main thing for me was it was it was a mix between like the amount of young prospects and yeah. the known talents. And I think for OKC for a million and one different reasons, they have the most known talent and a a, a bunch of prospects <laughs> yeah. that you can entertain. I think they're they're like they might be far and away number one. And then with San Antonio, it's like, yes, Wemby is going to be the the number one guy on that team. But like you mentioned, Alex, like Malachi Branham. Branham, Branham, yeah, uh, and and Dominic Barlow, like guy. those guys are just guys that like they did well in summer league and they barely played. You know what I mean? Like, I think there is a legitimate chance that we look back at that summer league roster for San Antonio and what the they have already on the roster in Asohan and Keldon and and Vassell and Trey and all those guys. It's like, man, they might be on the same tier as OKC when it comes to their prospect pool. It it's really really impressive. A discussion for next year though. Uh, Orlando and, and Indiana and Portland, we've sort of, I agree with where you guys are at with their assessments. The reason I have Charlotte so low is that outside of LaMelo and Brandon Miller, I just don't know who I can really latch on to prospect wise for them. And yeah. I, I agree that like LaMelo has a, a, a really, really certain future. I think the, the consensus because he missed a lot of games last season is he's become somewhat underrated in the lore of the NBA, the ethos of the NBA, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I still just like, I'm more unsure about their prospects. Like a James book night is not, you know, anything and probably won't be anything yet. You know what I mean? Uh, I like w Mark Williams, but I still kind of want to see how he develops a little bit more as an NBA center. PJ Washington. We'll see. He's also on the older side. Like he's getting towards that threshold where he's not necessarily young anymore. Uh, and then we'll see what happens with Brandon Miller. But I just I'm not that high on what Charlotte looks like from a prospect pool perspective. And that's why they're they're dead last for me. But it's tough. All these teams are so good. It's yeah. Yeah. There yeah. we go. We did it. We did it. That was tough. <laughs> yeah. That was tough. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Look, uh, Alex, before we go. Uh, I mean, look, we had an extensive conversation in Vegas. It was great to talk to you then. It's it's even more great to talk to you now, obviously, at, at, at full length. Anything you want to plug away? Anything you got going on uh, for the summer that you want to uh, throw know, out there? Um, Off-season, you know, off-season content on, on the YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be making my uh, – or I posted about it uh, earlier. Got a whole library of summer league clips, uh, trying to get all 30 teams. Right now, I think I'm at – 14 or so 14 15 something like that so if you want access to like uh musa diabate slip screens and like uh dj carton transition dunks go check that out uh but otherwise thank you guys so much for having me on uh as i'm, I'm bummed our conversation from summer league is lost to the I lost know, to man. the void uh but yeah. i i really enjoyed talking to you guys thanks for having me on it was a good time Lost tapes, man. So yeah. one day that, that archival footage will come out. Mm -hmm. I promise you guys. Uh, Lauren, anything before we head out? I mean, we are sort of headed towards our off season as well. So yeah. anything you got going on before we before we depart? Nothing too crazy going on, but I, I'm looking forward to any moves that may happen over the next couple of weeks because it does feel like there may be some lingering ones out there. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I hope so, because I'm going on vacation and I don't want to wake up at three in the morning and see that Pascal Siakam got traded. So it's going to be brutal. I would prefer that not to happen, Alex. I'm not going to lie to you. Said it, it's going to. Uh -huh. <laughs> Man, I'm going to be enjoying some rigatoni or something. And then, you know, oh, guess what? Pascal got traded for two first round picks or whatever the hell it is. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tapping into the Objective Basketball Podcast from Lauren, from myself, from Alex. We'll see you guys later. Take care. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at The Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.